That starts by taking a biblical stand for marriage, taking a biblical stand for the family. You see, God established the family even before he established the church. That's amazing. God's plan is always to build and to bless families. The family is the very basic unit. It is the building block of all of society and everything, everything God does emanates out of the family. Godly men and women come together in marriage and they begin a family. And they have, as they have strong marriages and strong families, then we can have strong churches. As we have strong churches, we can have strong communities. As we have strong communities, we can have a strong nation. That's why I was pretty direct last week in saying anything that erodes the very foundation of a marriage, that attacks that, or the foundation of the family, those building blocks, listen, we need to discern that and we need to stand against that as we stand for what God does. Sadly, all of these things, marriage, family, all this, it's under attack. Why, why is it under such attack? Because Satan hates what God loves. God loves you and you and you and me, and Satan hates us. And he's always developing a strategy and a ploy against us. So today, we're going to look at the importance of speaking a blessing. And I pray this is much more than a sermon. I pray that it's a revelation that explodes in your spirit today about the speaking a blessing over your family, over those things that concern your life. And I will tell you this, if you will receive this, if you will act upon it, it will change your life, it'll change your family, it'll change all those things that concern your life here on this earth. So I'm going to ask you some questions, and we're going to go and walk our way through Scripture, and uh, we're going to answer these questions. Let me ask you, what was the first thing that God did for Adam and Eve after he created them? We're going to read it in Genesis 1.28. Here's the answer. God spoke a blessing over them. Genesis chapter one, verse 28. God blessed them and he said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth, subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living creature that moves on the earth. Now, we know how the story went. They, they handed through deception and through the temptation of the enemy uh, in the garden. They handed that over. They didn't really walk in this. They didn't really embrace the blessing of the Lord. So when God started over with Noah and his family, what was the first thing that God did to Noah and his family? Genesis chapter 9, verse 1. And God helped me. Come on. He what? He blessed, he blessed Noah and his sons and he said, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Basically the same thing he declared over Adam and Eve. And I believe it's the same thing that he is declaring over us today. Well, Abraham becomes the father of our faith. And it says that in the New Testament, it says all those who believe in Jesus Christ are sons of Abraham and heirs of Abraham. And we have a rightful inheritance to the 
promises that God made and spoke over Abraham's. So what is it that God spoke over Abraham, the father of our faith? Can I tell you? Yes, what he spoke. First thing, he spoke a blessing. He did it over Adam and Eve. He did over Noah. He did over Abraham, the father of our faith. Genesis chapter 12. In fact, he did it in a series. Genesis uh, Genesis 12, Genesis 14, Genesis 17. You can read, but I'm just going to lift the first one out here. Genesis 12, verse 1. And God said to Abram, I will make you a great nation. Now, God declared that, and he didn't even have a child. He said, I'm going to make you a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great. Nobody knew who he was at that point in time. You shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And I will what? I will curse those who curse you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Now, let me help you here. To curse is not to use profanity. That's not what the biblical word curse means. Here's what it means. It means to make light of what God says is weighty. For you to look with disdain, for you to say that, ah, that's small, that's insignificant, that didn't really matter. How could that, like Holden just used with the, uh, with the offering, and he says, you know, God's ways are not like ours. How can you give and, and, and increase more, and how can you withhold and it lead to poverty? Some people, if you sit out there and you say, that didn't make a bit of sense, I, I reject that. You've just cursed the word of the Lord. You ascribe unimportance to what God says is very important. That's what to curse means. So listen, we want to make this book weighty. Because heaven and earth will pass away, but the word of the Lord will endure forever. This is the weightiest book in the world. And we have to be, we have to make sure that we line ourselves up with that. So our, our spiritual forefathers, they all realize the importance and the power of speaking a blessing. You see, God blessed Abraham. Abraham blessed his son Isaac. Isaac blessed his son Jacob. Jacob blessed all of his children and his grandchildren. You can read about that in, uh, in Genesis 48 and 49. Jacob spoke a blessing over his children and his grandchildren. He declared a blessing that is still used to this very day by the Jewish people. And I want to say, and I want you to write this down. I hope you're taking some notes. I believe it should be used today by us. Genesis 48, verse 20. By every Christian, we should declare this over our children and our grandchildren. Tammy and I do this. We've done this and, and some other blessings that we're going to look at today that the Lord says. Over our children, we do it over our grandchildren. Children, We had our oldest grandson spend Friday and night and last night with us, and we've blessed him multiple times. We just stood him up and say, Ian, listen, Poppy and Nani, we're going to declare some things over you. We're going to speak some things over you. And as you agree with that, these will become realities in your life. Genesis 48, verse 20. So he, Jacob, Bless them. Who's the them? Ephraim and Manasseh that day saying, by you. He not only spoke, not only did he speak a, a blessing over his two grandsons, he's, he made it, he, he made it eternal is what he did. He says, by you, 
Israel or the people of God will bless saying, may God make you as Ephraim and as Manasseh. Now let me tell you what Ephraim means. Ephraim means fruitful. May God, what, what did God speak over Adam? Lord make you fruitful, right? What did he speak over Noah? Noah and his family? God make you fruitful, bring you increase that you subdue and you rule over the earth and all of its creations. And that's exactly what Isaac, or Jacob rather, spoke over his two grandsons. May God make you as Ephraim. Ephraim means fruitful, and Manasseh means forgetful. Can I give you a kingdom principle? This is free, okay? Those two must always marry together in the kingdom of God. Because until you learn to forget some things and flush them and put them behind you and move on in God, you will never be fruitful. Being fruitful necessitates this twin that is because those, those boys, their lives were merged. To quit rehearsing the past, to quit bringing up, just move on in the Lord. Your fruitfulness, listen, he says we're to be like Ephraim and Manasseh. And I pray that all of us are fruitful by learning to forget and let go of the bad stuff and not let it control our life and our future. Come on, can we give God praise for that? Amen. This is what... Jews, even today, declare at bar mitzvahs and bath mitzvahs, bar mitzvahs over boys and bath mitzvahs over girls, where they become, where they transition from childhood to adulthood, uh, right at their 13th birthday. They declare that, may the Lord make you as Ephraim and Manasseh. They know something, and I want us to embrace that, okay? And I, so, so let me, let me look back. Let's stop right here. Is there a pattern we're seeing, or is there a kingdom principle possibly that we're seeing with Adam and Eve, with Noah, with Abraham, with Isaac, with Jacob, with Ephraim and Manasseh? Do you think possibly it's a little more than just random scriptures? Is there a, is there a redemptive kingdom thread maybe that's running through this? Why did all these godly people speak blessings over their family, over their children, their grandchildren, their friends? because they understood the tremendous power of words. Now you may think, that's interesting, but all that, pastor, that's, that's Old Testament stuff. We're New Covenant believers. We're New Testament believers. That's, that's in the Old Covenant. Is God still doing that? Listen, anything that's truly a kingdom principle, you'll find it very strongly evidenced in both the Old Testament and the New Testament. If it shows up in one and not the other, then it doesn't carry the weight. But when it carries, when it shows up very strongly through both covenants, the Old and New, you can know, wow, that is a kingdom principle. And I need to put a lot of weight on it. Let me ask you, what's the first thing Jesus did when he began his earthly ministry? Guess what? He spoke a series of blessings over his followers. His first sermons called the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew 5, chapter 5, 6, and 7. Let's take it up in Verse 2 of Matthew 5, okay? The first thing that he did is he began to bless them. Jesus opened his mouth and he said, Blessed are the poor, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, 
for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed. You see, he's not just preaching a sermon. He's declaring blessings over them. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Wow. First thing God did in the Old Testament when he created Adam and Eve is bless them. He did it with Noah when he started over. He did it with Abraham, the father of our faith. And all those patriarchs did it over. The, and we could see that uh, David does that over Solomon when he takes the throne. I can't, well, we're, we're not, but it's strongly all the way through the word of God. Let me ask you, why did, why did parents seek Jesus out and bring their children to Jesus and put them before him? What did they want? They wanted Jesus to do two things. They wanted Jesus to touch them and to bless them. What does that mean? They wanted an impartation. See, we impart two ways mainly, through laying on of hands, through our touch. That's why with your children, with your spouse, with your family, with your children, your grandchildren, we just, Tammy and I don't just speak over our kids and our grandkids, we touch them. We lay hands on them because we realize those are the main spiritual avenues to impart. Because we're not just word, we're we're not just declaring words. We're imparting spirit to spirit, the spirit of the Lord through us into our loved ones. Mark chapter ten verse thirteen. Parents brought their children to Jesus so that He could touch and bless them. You see, for children to feel loved, for children to feel safe and secure and special today. They don't need things. Did you hear that? I just saved you a lot of money, all right? They don't need things. Here's what they need. They need time with somebody that loves them. They need a loving, safe touch that blesses them. And they need words of blessing declared over them. See, that's what children needed back then. That's what children need today. And I think we're pretty good at that at Hope Church. That's what your kids get in our ministry. They get a safe, loving environment. They get the touch and the loving touch, and they get words of life, words of blessing declared over them. So let's see if this pattern holds true. The first thing Jesus did was to speak a blessing in his first sermon. He blessed the little ones. He blessed people all through. Then what was the last thing that Jesus did on earth? The very last thing is he was, after the crucifixion, after the resurrection, is he was on the Mount of Olives, as he was about to ascend to go back to heaven to his heavenly father. What was the last thing he did? Let's read it. Luke 24, verse 15. Jesus led them to Bethany, and lifting up his hands to heaven, he, come on, help me. He what? He blessed them. Do you think we're seeing a pattern and a principle? He lifted up his hands and he blessed them. And while he was blessing them, he left them and he was taken up to heaven. I believe, I believe that was so important. I believe that strategically was branded on their minds and in their spirits and in their hearts that, listen, that Jesus, the last time we saw him on earth, he ascended. And what he was doing 
He wasn't praying for us. He wasn't giving us some other command, some other instruction. He was imparting a blessing to us. Folks, that's what we need to do. See, the Jews have always practiced speaking blessing over their family members. Is it any wonder that they're like two-tenths of 1% of the world population, but yet they've won like 30% of the Nobel Peace Prizes? They're some of the wealthiest people in the world. They're some of the most influential. How can, how can some people group, just think about it, how can a people group that's two-tenths, uh, two-tenths of 1%, of the world's population, be so influential. Could I take you back to Father Abraham? The father of our faith, but the father of the Jewish people. That blessing that's been passed on from generation to generation to generation. The Bible says the curse shall endure for two or three generations, but the blessing of the Lord shall endure for a thousand Amen? I'm glad he waits very little on the missing it part, but I'm glad the blessing of the Lord endures to a thousand generations. I want us, I want us to put a lot of weight on this. This is not just some, uh, it, it's just not some other thing to do to add to your life. Listen, it is so, it is so, it is so transformative in your life and in the life of your family. I want to, I want to do everything I can to encourage you to begin to practice this. How can such a small and seemingly insignificant action make a big difference? Such a big difference because most of us as Christians don't really realize the importance of our words Proverbs 18.21, it says, words kill, words give life. They're either poison or they're fruit. They're either bitter poison or sweet, nutritious fruit. You choose the words you're going to speak. Now, let me explain it like this. There are two worlds now follow me. There are two worlds. There are two realms. And we live in both of these at the same time. And they determine the course of our life, the course of our loved ones, of our family, of our friends. They determine our life and our future. The first one is the natural world. It is visible. Come on, look around. Just glance around you. This is, this is all natural world stuff. It is visible. It is real but it's very temporary. We also live at the same time, simultaneously, in another world, and it's the spirit world. It is invisible, but it is eternal. Now, that'll trip your brain a little bit. The what you can see is temporary, but what you can't see is eternal. What you can see is real, it's got some power, but what you can't see, that realm, is eternal and all-powerful realm. 
See, that's what most Christians need to wake up to that truth, to that reality of that world. This world, this realm, that spirit realm, it's not as familiar. Why? Because we spend so much of our life moving and navigating around the natural world. And, and sometimes we don't give the time and attention and thought to the spiritual world that we should. It, it's not as familiar, and it can even feel strange and a bit awkward at times. But can I tell you something? It's very real, and it's very, very powerful. So I want us, I want us to live with an acknowledgement, with an awareness that we're not only living in this natural world, but there is a spiritual world that is eternal and more powerful that we're also living in that world too. You see, our words, our words of Blessing, our words of cursing and making light of what God says is weighty, they're from the spirit realm. And anything from the spirit realm has creative power. Our words shape our future, they shape our life, and they shape the lives of those that we declare those words over. James 3, verse 9. Sometimes our tongue praises our Lord and Father. Sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. So blessings and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, brothers and sisters, this is not right. You see, to bless means to speak words that produce favorable results in a person, in a place, or a thing. You can bless more than people. You can bless a place. You can bless a thing. To curse means to speak words that produce evil or harmful results in a person, place, or theme. Both blessings, are you getting this? Are you receiving this? Both blessings and curses are major themes throughout the Bible. The word blessing in the context that we're looking at it is used 410 times. To declare a blessing over a person, place, or thing is used 410 times in the Bible. The word curse that we make light of, not profanity, we make light of what God says is very weighty and important is used 230 times in the Bible. Those are major themes throughout the word of God, both the Old Testament and New Testament. Both of these blessings and curses, they operate in the spirit world, in the unseen, invisible world, but the very powerful world, the most powerful world. In the main way that both of those are released primarily it's through our words. Secondarily, through our touch, but mainly through our words. There are three areas that we should speak blessings over. Write these down. We should bless people. Hey, bless yourself. I'll just stand in the mirror sometimes, all right? And I'll declare, but I'll just declare the blessing of the Lord. I said, I, I said, I am blessed in my body, my heart, my lungs, my vital organs are blessed of the Lord. They function the way they were created. I'm free of the sickness and I'm free of disease. I declare the blessing of God. I declare the promises of God that none of these things that visit people of the world will come upon me as a child of God. Listen, you have the power to bless yourself. You have the power to bless your spouse. You have the power to bless your children, your grandchildren. You have the power to bless your friends, your church family, and you should bless all those people. You should also bless places. Tammy and I have never moved into a home until we first anointed every door and every entrance with oil and that we declare the blessings 
and we take authority over anybody, any spirits that could be familiar, evil, territorial spirits that were there before us. We take authority over that, and we declare the blessing of God. That's as biblical as you can be. You should bless your home. You should bless your business. You should bless your place of employment, your job. You should bless your community. We, we, we bless our neighborhood. We live in a small neighborhood, and we had all of our neighbors over yesterday morning, and, and we, we begun almost to pastor that whole street we live on. And, uh, and because we've prayed for them, we've declared blessings, and they, they realize that. And, and boy, they just search us out to, to pray and to encourage. We should bless our community. We should bless our neighborhood, our city. We should bless our schools. We should bless things, too. Bless your body. Bless your health. Bless your hands. The Lord says, whatever you put your hands to are blessed. My hands are blessed. Look at your hands. Your hands are blessed of the Lord. God's blessing, God's favor are upon your hands. And whatever you put your hands to are blessed. Bless your mind. Lord, my mind is sharp. And I, I, Tammy and I do that as we get older now in our 60s. We bless our mind. We're, we're aware. We're alert. We have a sharp, keen mind. We're articulate. And we, why? Because we declare the blessings of the Lord over ourselves, over your finances. Bless your finances. And Satan, now listen. Satan does not have creative power. He is a copycat. He is a liar. He is an accuser. And he is a deceiver. So he wants to deceive us into speaking harmful creative words over ourselves, over our loved ones, over our family, because our words have creative power, but his words don't. He, listen, he can't fill the gas tank. He can only go at night and he sticks the hose and he siphons and sucks off the gas that is in our tank. He is very limited, all right? He, there are so many things. He has no creative power. He's a copycat. He's a liar. He's a distorter. That's why people say, oh, you shouldn't. You shouldn't have instruments like this in the house of God. You shouldn't worship. You shouldn't dance. Why? Listen, God thought of all those things, and the enemy tried to pervert them and through a religious spirit and say we're not to do them. Listen, God, those are all God's idea. Read Psalm 149, 150, and look. That's the way. We're to be expressive in our worship. Something's wrong. We, we have been influenced by a spirit of religion if we're just all all stuck in our little space and we're unwilling or, un, or, or we feel wrong about lifting our hands and lifting our voice and or, or moving our body and expressing praise and worship to God. He's never done one thing original in his life. God's the creator. We can create. We can declare. We have that ability. So here's what Satan wants to do. He wants, to, he wants you to curse yourself. He wants you to say things like this. I'll always be poor. I guess I'll always struggle financially. I'll, I'll, I'll never have enough. I'll always battle with my weight and be overweight. I'll always be alone. I'll always be unhappy. Listen, folks, you're just cursing. You're raining down, you're, you're raining down curses upon yourself. You're using your creative power against yourself. Blessing uses it for yourself in a positive, life-giving way. See, we curse others when we say, you're never going to amount to anything. You'll always be this or that or whatever it is. 
You'll always be dumb. You'll never learn. You'll always keep making the same mistakes. Listen, stop it. Stop it. That's your children. That's your grandchildren. Don't declare that over them. Stop it. Your words have a power. They have authority. They, they, they're creating something. You're sowing something that you don't want to sow into the destiny of those loved ones. Now, I'm not saying that blessings can mechanically or magically control our life. I'm not saying that at all. All right, Blessing your kid does not do away with the need for biblical parenting. Me standing in front of the mirror and blessing my body doesn't do away with my need to steward my body. Me blessing my finances does not do away with the need for me to operate by biblical financial principles. But it sure does enhance it. It sure does grease the skids so that life goes a whole lot better and smoother, okay? So it doesn't take the place of those things, but they work together. And you could be there thinking, but, but who am I? Who am I to speak a blessing over people and places and things? You see, in the Old Testament, people couldn't do that. They had to go to God and they had to approach God through a priest. But after Jesus' his death and his resurrection, all that changed forever. There's a principle in the New Covenant, in the New Testament, it's called the priesthood of all believers. It means that, listen, that you can approach God in faith, with boldness, with confidence, by faith in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ that made a way. You can read about that in Hebrews chapter 10. We can come boldly, we can come confidently before the very throne of grace and mercy because of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, you're a priest. You're a child of God. Your words have authority. First Peter 2.9, I got to move. Come on. All right. Uh, you, you are not like that. You're not like the world's what Peter's writing. He says, for you are a, come on, help me. You're a what? Chosen people. You're a royal, a kingly, a queens, kings and queens that are priests. You're a holy nation. You're God's very own possession. All right. That's who we are. Now, through faith in Jesus Christ, we can come before him confidently, without fear, without intimidation. Now, you are a child of God. You're a royal priest. You're a holy person. As a result, you have kingdom power and authority. And that power and that authority works whether you realize it or not. It works for you or it works against you. So that's why we're to declare the blessings of the Lord over ourselves, over our family, over our loved ones, over those things that concern our life. The spoken blessing is so important that God gave us a very special one, this eternal in nature. It's, it's, this, is, this is of the blessing, kind of like prayers is of the Lord's prayer. The Lord's prayer is really a model prayer. Our Father which art in heaven. We, all, we know that, okay? Or at least we all should know that. This is the model blessing. It's Numbers chapter 6, verse 22. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, tell Aaron and his sons, they were the priests then, all right, to bless the people of Israel, to bless God's people, the people of faith, with this special blessing. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace. And listen to verse 27. Look at it. Wow. 
It says, whenever Aaron and his sons, the priests, bless the people of God, of Israel, in my name, it's as though God himself said it. That's called spiritual authority. That's power. That's authority. When you declare those words over others in the name of the Lord, it's as though you didn't say them. It's as though God invoked them over your children and your grandchildren and whoever you declared those words over. Come on. Can you, just, can you thank God for that? Amen. I end most services by declaring that blessing over you. So I want to encourage you, learn it and begin to use it, all right? The blessing in these verses helps us understand what a blessing is and what it does, all right? To bless is to speak words that produce favorable results in a person's life. It begins to set some things that are godly, that are positive in motion. Let me lift out the five parts of that blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you or protect you. Here's what it does. It activates God's blessing and protection in a person's life that you're declaring that over. The Lord smile upon you. It releases God's pleasure. It means that God is pleased with you. He's pleased with your life. In fact, God's not frowning. He's smiling at you. The Lord be gracious to you. It activates the mercy and the compassion of God in your life. The Lord show you his favor. It releases God's approval on you. Here's what it means. It means you stand out. From all the people you stand with, you stand out. I call it this. I call favor God's highlighter. All right? Of all the words on that page, God highlighted your word. God, that's what favor is. It's to be highlighted. It's to be stand out by the Lord. The Lord give you his favor. And the Lord give you his peace. You know what it does? It activates the order and the calm of God. It's, it's freedom from fear. We should not. I know we're, we're in the midst of a pandemic. Can I tell you? I've not wasted two seconds on fearing anything. Why? Because God's not given us the spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. Because I know the word. Listen, I know the power of the promises. It says in Isaiah 54, no weapon formed against us is going to prosper. And every tongue that would tell us, do this, do that, and the other, that rises up against us. Listen, it, it, it will be quieted. And I know this, we're not going to forget. That's why we have communion every month. We're not going to forget his benefits. He forgives all of our sins. He heals all of our diseases. And he can even go past the forgiving and the healing. He renews our youth. 